This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hey everyone, I'm Monica Robbins. Thanks so much for checking out Health Yeah, your prescription for clear, concise medical health and wellness info. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a weekly dose of some timely health topics. In the past two decades, we've become increasingly aware of the danger and damage contact sports can have on an athlete's brain, especially those repeated hits to the head. It's been a big issue in the NFL, and we've seen rules change from the pros to peewees. The NFL draft is in Cleveland next week, and today's episode is about how the NFL Players Association is teaming up with Cleveland Clinic to not only care for their brains, but yours too, with significant research. To learn more about the Cleveland Clinic NFL collaboration, we're talking to the initiative's principal investigator, Dr. Jay Alberts of Cleveland Clinic's Learner Research Institute and vice chair of innovation for the Neurological Institute. So tell me about this partnership. What exactly will it do? Yeah, no, this is a very exciting partnership between the Cleveland Clinic and the NFLPA. So I think to me, what is exciting about it is that it really makes perfect sense in terms of getting these organizations together to understand brain health and neurological disease and using uh, augmented or using uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to advance our understanding. So the, the real thrust of the project is, is how can we identify some potential disease markers and neurological disease progression or, and markers for that neurological, the, the progression of neurological disease. So you think about whether it's Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or other neurological diseases, and we don't have good biomarkers to predict how quickly someone is going to progress. We also don't know then the effectiveness of various treatments and interventions. And so the exciting thing here for us is now we can use machine learning to really accelerate our understanding of one disease progression and potential biomarkers that may uh, help us inform uh, the progression of the disease and the effects of various interventions. So for practicality, explain what will you be doing to players? And is this something they have? Is the Players Association saying, no, everybody has to be part of this? Yeah, so great question. And so this project right now won't involve players at all. So, and to me, this is the where it's very insightful and forward thinking from the union's perspective is because right now we have so much data on individuals with neurological disease that really is being, isn't being tapped to its full potential. So none of the projects or none of the, the models that we'll be developing will be specific to former NFL players or to NFL players. We're using all data from people from the general population. And so that's where, again, I think it's valuable because for many reasons, but one, it's going to inform us in terms of disease and progression, but you also think about where we are, right? We're in Cleveland and you know, Cleveland is not the reality when it comes to healthcare, right? We have uh, fantastic healthcare here. And if you think of many other individuals with either Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, they may be treated by someone who doesn't have a specific or doesn't have specific training in movement disorders or in brain uh, and neurological diseases. So the end product here really could be a clinical decision support tool that could very much help or is intended to very much help 
those individuals who are being treated in rural or underserved environments. So is the Players Association helping to fund this research? Is that what their involvement is? Exactly right. They are funding the research. They're not providing any data. So when you talk about, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning, walk me through what exactly does that mean? Sure. So it means uh, a few different things to different people, right? But fundamentally, what we're going to be doing is we'll take a massive amount of data, uh, health data, um, neurological data, imaging data, potentially, and even other third-party data that might be available. And really, we're building a model to then predict, mathematical model to predict you know, which of these factors are important in terms of who gets Parkinson's disease or who is eventually diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And, and that's, that would be tremendous. Um, and the, the power there is in the amount of data that you have, right? And then the next phase is to understand, well, if someone has Parkinson's disease and they were diagnosed in 2005, one person is progressing or one group is progressing faster than another group. Why is that? And so then we can start to use these different mathematical techniques to understand or create the important features that go into why someone may be progressing faster or slower uh, than someone else. So is it just going to be Alzheimer's and Parkinson's or are you also looking at ALS and other neurological yes, diseases? Yep, absolutely. So we're looking at neurological diseases uh, fairly broadly. So we're looking at Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, MCI, uh, mild cognitive impairment, um, dementias, and uh, MS and ALS as well. So can you take that, when you're talking massive amounts of health data, Will that include, you know, how many times an individual might have been hit on the head or? It, it you know? could, it, it could. Uh, again, it will do, be dependent upon if we have that information, right? Um, and so that, you know, not sure about how routinely that is uh, recorded in, you know, my health data or your health data, unless there's, you know, certainly motor vehicle accidents, et cetera. Um, but yeah, those will all be factors that we'll, we'll also be looking at sleep, exercise, uh, changes in, in BMI over time, all sorts of, uh, of data. Is this something people can volunteer to be part of, or is this just existing health data that the clinic has? Yeah, no, it's existing health data that we have, and all of this data will be de-identified and will be used to build uh, and inform these different models. And what can the NFL do with this data, you know, once you get to figuring out or you come up with your algorithm to figure out how it can be utilized for football or any other sport? Yeah, I think the value here is it can inform and hopefully if we, let's say, for example, we identify that those individuals who have disrupted sleep patterns, you know, five years before onset of Alzheimer's disease, then that could be something that they could inform their, their players of and other leagues as well. And quite frankly, the general population of the importance of sleep, or let's say there's some connection with a specific type of exercise, aerobic exercise, that then can be integrated into some of their uh, care models, as well as information, uh, these teaching moments for, uh, for NFL players. So we already have the, 
you know, the, the five metabolic symptoms that can predict Alzheimer's and other issues, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, those types of things. Is this yet another, you know, algorithm to, you know, maybe figure out how to specifically target neurological problems? Yeah, exactly. And so looking at not only those five, but right, there's lots of data out there that there should be these other neurological vital signs that we should be taking, right? And so if we can identify what are these other neurological vital signs that may be predictive, then we should uh, identify them and we can inform people to measure them and not just measure them for the sake of measuring, but measure them and then have you know, some specific potential intervention to you know, change the course or slow the progression. That could really be huge. How long are you anticipating it's going to take you guys to go through all this data? Yeah, so we're hoping that we can get through it and have uh, the first version of the model completed uh, within nine to 12 months. Wow. And yeah, then so we have a good team working on it, a lot of uh, mathematicians, statistics folks. And so uh, we're all motivated and very excited about the project. You know, we know math always had a place in science, but did you ever think that it would have <laughs> such as this in science? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, but uh, we use math all the time. We use different types of math in my lab, but now we're we're expanding here, and and it's very exciting to uh, to bring. To me, what's exciting is to bring different people together, right? So the other part here is we're not just creating these models with mathematicians. We have physicians from the Neurological Institute who are also involved, so they can they can keep us honest in terms of you know how this is measured or is it measured in a different way in this population, so that we Again, so that we're using, you know, we have a tremendous amount of data. Historically, the problem in using uh, uh, machine learning and augment or uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence in medicine hasn't been the amount of data. It's been the quality of data and understanding what you have. And that's where I'm very excited about having this physician uh, and mathematician partnership that we have going here. So the data you're looking at, is this specific to people with neurological problems and you're looking at what was going on leading up to it? Yeah, so we have a, a tremendous amount of data there. And then also we're trying to, you know, again, this is where the partnership comes in as we get going. Uh, other groups are going to be bringing their data with, with them to, the, to this uh, sandbox and we'll, we'll combine it to, to really have a much larger data set of both a healthy cohort as well as a um, cohort that has neurological disease. What about breaking it down by ethnicity and race and gender? That sort of thing? Ab ab yeah, absolutely. Those will all be very important factors. And I think you, you, know, you bring up a great point about uh, race. And so there are some recent papers out there that show that you know, just relying on medical data alone isn't necessarily, doesn't res, uh, result in a great model because uh, what happens is, so take breast cancer or, or breast screening, for example, oh, they, you know, some papers suggested that models suggest there's no value in doing breast screens for African-American women. Well, the problem was those studies were done with a data set that had very few African-American women. 
right? So of course you're going to come to that conclusion. So there are different ways that you can account for that in terms of the data and do different types of uh, analytics to make sure that there's, these models are actually representative to individuals uh, of different ethnicities uh, and such. But give me an example of in 12 months, we'll be able to say those who had trouble sleeping you know, five years before symptom onset or, you know, they were obese or, you know. Sure. So let's just say, let, let's take something. So for example, let's say uh, we find that um, you know, five years before they're diagnosed, if we have, let's say, a case control, so we have uh, two groups, the, the group who is not, uh, doesn't have a diagnosis, and the group that has a diagnosis of, let's say, Parkinson's, we might find that those patients five years earlier with a diagnosis reported a problem in sleeping or reported a problem uh, just buttoning their shirt, but they just sort of, you know, attributed it to, uh, I'm just getting a little older. Um, so that is something that then we can go back and say, ah, but those patients who don't currently have Parkinson's didn't report that problem. So maybe we should be asking those types of questions or administering some type of test, uh, you know, earlier in the process uh, of just general healthcare to, you know, to get a potential marker of who may or may not have this disease. And the value there is if you can, I mean, this makes, I mean, it's intuitive, right? If you can have a, a, an earlier diagnosis, then one, better planning, and two, you have a better opportunity to potentially change the, the trajectory of that disease because you can intervene earlier, right? So even the Michael J. Fox Foundation now has a, a big initiative right now to improve the biomarkers for Parkinson's because we just don't understand and have a good reliable uh, marker of disease progression. So I'm hoping that you know, collectively we can uh, you know, sort of get into that space and, and create and develop some of these uh, informative biomarkers. I remember doing a story with the clinic about testing blood and looking for a particular biomarker relating to concussion. Is this kind of the sort of data that you know, one day you'd be able to do a blood test and find out if somebody has a biomarker for, you know, ALS or Alzheimer's? Yeah, sure. So some of those exist in Alzheimer's, right? So we know those individuals with APOE4 positive gene um, that they actually have a higher rate of uh, conversion to Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but again, we know that and it's about anywhere from 10 to 20%, which is good, but I think we can get better. Again, this is where using this type of machine learning and AI, I think we can improve those types of models. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and what we're seeing is that there is a side effect or component of COVID that many are fearing we're going to see more early onset Alzheimer's because COVID does for some reason impact the brain. Will that data be connected to yours or is that, you know, is there going to be any correlation or, or value? Yeah, so we've talked about that and we'll look at that data. I think the challenge is that data is so new that we don't know what's going to happen with it, but, but we definitely will be thinking about that and taking that into consideration, right? Similarly, you know, the signs of COVID are loss of smell. 
And that's the a clear indicator of, for most people, uh, early predictor of Parkinson's. So clearly there's something going on um, you know, in the brain as well. Is it an interesting model, right? In the sense that now maybe it's impacting the, the uh, olfactory bulbs, which again, utilize dopamine. Uh, but those are things that we're still trying to understand. And I would note again, that we're not using former NFL players in this uh, current model. But it's just valuable for them to be part of this because exactly. we all know the neurological damage that NFL players have. Yeah. And if they want to create, um, you know, initiatives, they want them to be informed by good data. Um, and this is the way to get that good data. So. Well, this is uh, what's more interesting to me. You know, one would think that when you say the NFLPA is, is you know, teaming up with Cleveland Clinic, one automatically thinks that, oh, this is just to help football players, but this is huge. I mean, this is helping this is all of us. Exactly right. This is helping all, and I think about it, you know, again, we're not in reality here. I, I'm originally from Iowa, right? A small town. So uh, we don't have movement disorders neurologists in my town, right? But if we can give them some clinical decision support tool uh, that's based on all of this informative data and valuable data, they can treat their patients better. And I think that's, you know, similar to what Dr. Mihaljevic had talked about is, you know, we need to have a broader impact. And I think this is an opportunity for us to have a broader impact to those you know, outside of our, our general catchment area. There's no way in health you wanna just Google info. Learn more about Cleveland Clinic's brain health programs by checking out healthybrains.org. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Check out stories and video podcasts on my YouTube channel, and please subscribe too. Also, like my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC, to learn about upcoming podcasts and health news. Find more info on WKYC's social pages and YouTube channel, as well as WKYC.com for comprehensive COVID-19 coverage. Have a healthy day. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.